Posh Rush Entertainment proudly presents a podcast full of tricky puzzles. I think it's a cookie. No, it's a pizza. <gasps> it's it's a, a cookie pizza. Another queso. Of sex tapes. Uh-oh, I hope it doesn't get too sexual. Uh-oh, I hope it doesn't get too sexual. Title of your sex tape. Yogurt. I asked for a yogurt fridge and I got one. So grab your best friend. Me and my main man Boiler are about to solve a case. Isn't that right, Charles? We'll call ourselves the Night Boys. Kind of sounds like a male escort service. The Midnight Men. Even worse. The Dark Stallions. Looks like we're going with the Night Boys. Because this is Q-List Brooklyn Nine-Nine Edition with Logan Corkins and Josh Finn. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Q-List Brooklyn Nine-Nine Edition. I'm Logan Corkins. Joining me, of course, is the Terry to my Holt, Josh Finn. You're finally getting better with these. Slowly. Slowly Slowly but surely. You'll nail it on, like, the last week. I mean, we're in episode six. I should be hitting my stride realistically you know i'm 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 like i'm like the chiefs you know i'm just i'm unmotivated no i look disinterested i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding ladies and gentlemen this is cutest this show where we've been going back we've been watching brooklyn 99 if you missed last week's episode it is available on spotify housekeeping for you don't forget uh this weekend we are doing a special edition of cutest that's right the cast of rope talk is helping me out nick and thomas and thomas is of course the pre champion for how much longer? We will find out. But we are going to do a special edition of Q-List where we are going to look at The Undertaker's new movie coming to Netflix. This, uh, I believe it comes out Wednesday. We're going to have the episode up on Saturday. So check it out. Uh, Trash Talk coming at you on Friday. NFL season week four was a big one, too, people. A lot of big AFC West matchups. Monday night, tonight, we got the Chargers and we got the Raiders. That's a huge game. Sunday night football, big game because it's Brady's return to Foxborough, potentially for the last time. So uh, a lot of good stuff. We got to talk about that. We're going to be talking about that on Trash Talk. We also have some MLB playoffs we'll be talking about as well. Um, Yeah, a lot of good stuff happening here at BRE, people. A lot of good stuff. And uh, if you are from TikTok, we love you. We thank you for, for, for coming over to the show. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you hope you like it. Uh, season five. Season five is a big one in, in Brooklyn Nine-Nine world. Wasn't it, Josh? Yeah, it's it's pretty, it's pretty big. Uh, I think we both have agreed that season five is probably our overall favorite season. Right. For, for me, it's like, I, lo- I love the wedding episode. I love Jake and Amy. But more than anything, I love I love the honeymoon that we start off with here in Hitchcock and Scully. Like, there's a great intro at season six. And after this, like, it's... I won't say if the show got, like, less good, but it definitely doesn't feel like it has the same magic. And I think a lot of that's because we have a big... We have a main cast member at the parts of the season. And we haven't talked about her a lot on the show outside of her words of wisdom, but she's just she's kind of the glue that holds it all together, like by being the comic relief. And it's really, I don't know, I think it's really a shame that Chelsea Peretti departs the show. Understandably, I get why she did. Um, it usually happens with a sitcom around five, season five or six. One or two of the main cast members from the beginning typically want to leave. And we saw it with uh, Steve Carell almost unwillingly left the office. You know, and that that was the bungling of NBC. We see it with uh, Rob Lowe and Rashida Jones when they leave Parks and Recreation. And now you hear it, it seems to be the sure curse in season six. All these things, <laughs> except for Michael Scott, happen. 
And any of other Shewer shows that they'll even make it to season six. So. Oh, man. Now, it is interesting because you, you mentioned shows don't make it to season six. This show almost didn't. This is the, the show switch from it, Fox it to got NBC. Canceled. It the, got canceled. The wedding between Jake and Amy is meant to be the series finale in a lot of ways. And my my interpretation was that they were originally leaving it up to viewers to determine did Captain Holt get the job or not. And to be fair, if that is your series finale, I think now having seen did you ever watch season have you watched the last season yet or are you I, I still haven't. I, I I'm working okay. on it right now. Like I, this so week I've been watching I, season seven, prep for next week, and, and you know how it right. goes. I, I've watched I've wa- have I've watched all the way to the finale. While I do love eventually, I do love the series finale. I think the series finale is, it, it's it's a sure finale. It's incredible. Um, I think a lot of what comes in between, though, outside of the Jake and Amy plot line, and then eventually what we get to with uh, Holt and Kevin in season eight, I think that the show really drags in a lot of ways. And so had, in retrospect, had that been the finale, I think I could have just, you know, kind of nodded my head and went, all right, that was a solid run. That was a really good run, but I think we all would have been like, there's got to be more here, right? When you end season five, you got to be thinking there's more here. And, you know, we find out the show's been canceled. Fans start campaigning to save it that afternoon. It comes out from Mike Schuer. Uh By the way, we knew we weren't, we kind of knew we weren't coming back. Uh, Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon have already, and TBS have all already uh, expressed interest. And they all passed on us as well. Which is, right. It's wild to me that Hulu passed. It, it, it's it, it, well, it, it's crazy to me that TBS didn't pick this up. Because this show fit so well into what TBS's mm-hmm. catalog was at the time, right? At that point, they still had Conan. And I stand by this today. I think Conan's the best late night host that was in the regular circuit. Um, yes. You yes. had, what was the show that they were doing at the time? It was um, it was that Christy Elia show that they were playing around with. It was, it was okay. Um, I don't. I, don't they were, I genuinely haven't had cable in about a decade. So, yeah. but but it really, oh. it really, it really worked within what they were trying to do. And so, like right. TBS passing on it completely shocked me. It's also weird that Fox bounced it when they did too, because I mean, Fox didn't replace it with anything that's been that's become nearly the success that Brooklyn Nine Nine has. Um, uh, Fox has not had a good comedy since. Fair. Um, ABC doesn't have a good comedy right now but of course abc is more of a serious network i mean million little things is killing it Grey's anatomy is in its millionth season i mean abc's never really been like a major like sitcom. i mean aside from like modern family and and the goldbergs maybe maybe but i mean like and this definitely doesn't have the reach that uh that modern family did right that was one of those it was like the ncis of comedies just like you know big bang theory and things like that I want to read uh, exactly what I got to find where it is. Okay, so uh, I have the quote here from an NBC executive. When they picked it back up the day the day after the news came out, NBC announced that not only were they going to save the series because NBC actually produced the series. TV agreements are really weird, guys. They're really weird. He says, uh, "Ever since we sold the show to Fox, I've regretted letting it get away, and it's time it came home." They not only signed it for a 13-episode season, which is what Mike Schuer wanted, they gave him an additional five episodes. And the results, I think, are kind of varying. Like, it's it's a good season. I will say I like six more than seven. Um, 
but the, the, the dramatics that went on behind behind the scenes. So not only does this happen, but it's also oh we're gonna we're gonna keep it on Hulu indefinitely. I was shocked that this series did not move exclusively to Peacock. I thought for sure when it came back, I was got to sign up for Peacock to watch this, but they kept it on Hulu. Thank God. Thank God I was right. able to finish it out and not have to get another subscription. But I thought they were about the AP bio this show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's also the other way I thought. So let's let's talk about the season. Let's hit we're it. Start, well, give we're going to start give with, with our guest with our, stars. Yeah, that's that's where we got to go because we got we got a big, heavy cast list, you know, and we we got even a Broadway star. You ready for this? Lin Manuel Miranda is coming in here. Yeah, Hamilton himself coming in is David Santiago, Amy's brother. We got good old Rob Riggle. He's he's crazy. He's nuts. I watched Twenty One Jump Street this past week, and I gotta tell you, I oh, forgot dude, how good so he is great. in that film. He's, he's so, so good, and he's even better in Twenty Two. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, <laughs> worked for you last night. Huh? Yeah, I'm Eric's bitch. No, you're, you're, oh, di- so your pussy doesn't uh, Sean work. Sean Astin? Sean Astin's in. We got Tim Meadows. It's Caleb. Tim Meadows is back. I, uh, EK Barinholtz as Guitars. Ken Marino is back as Captain CJ Jason Stetley. God. Mario Lopez? Mario oh, Lopez is himself. Reggie Lee comes in. Uh, you know, if we're talking. We've got Nicole Byer coming in as Trudy Judy. Uh, oh, I have a lot of opinions on that one. I love it. And of course, if we're talking to Judy, we got to talk about the big baby himself, Doug Judy, played by Craig Robinson. PBJ. PBJ forever. Phil Reeves I don't, I'm not as Kelly. blown away by this guest cast as I was in the past. Like, I really think four and five is really where they just go balls to the wall with the guests. Mark Evan Jackson's back, of course, is Kevin Cosner. Gotta love him. Gotta have him. Gotta have him. Gotta so, have him. we left off. Jake and uh, Amy, they getting married. We've got a, uh, we got a wedding that almost didn't happen because of a bomb, and then... Teddy showed up, and I mean, Kyle Kyle Gas got arrested. Kyle Gas got arrested. So now we are at the honeymoon. Jake and Amy go on their honeymoon. Captain Holt finds out whether or not he is the new commissioner of the NYPD. Let's spoiler alert: he's not. So Captain Holt decides to he's going to go on this trip, and it's down to Mexico. It's this resort that Gina has been spending like the last five years talking about. It's she, she gets like it's like when you go to raise energy people and you use the promo code land party, you save 15% off your order. That's essentially what Gina does. But you can go to repsports.com right now, hit that like, subscribe, do all that whole stuff. New flavors are coming out now, too, including a pumpkin spice. But shh, I didn't tell you that. I the honeymoon is awesome, it continues a long running streak of Brooklyn Nine-Nine having incredible season openers. I really, 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 really love this because while we do still get some nice, it's not like Coral Palms where it was all Holt. Uh, this does mostly focus on Jake, Amy, and Holt. We get a little bit of drama up in the nine nine, but just how awkward would it be for you if Captain Holt showed up on your honeymoon? I mean, the. <laughs> The the ray of sunshine and and keep in mind, people. He comes by himself. It's not like he brings Kevin with him. It's not like he brings Cheddar with him. 
I mean, I think it would have been okay if uh, if Cheddar came. The best part of this whole episode, though, is Amy finally gives in to Jake's absolutely insane fantasies and dresses up as John McClane's wife from Die Hard. She had she has the best line in this whole. Like this is one of the best series has one of the best jokes in this series where she goes, wait, she this B needs a C and her A. And I'm oh. and Jake goes, wait, wait, what? What? Like, yeah, this bitch needs a coconut in her head. Oh, yeah. I thought you yeah. meant he's <laughs> just completely mortified and it's like because it's so off the cuff for Amy to say it. Like we're used to like the, the level of awkward like, like the level of like cute flirty stuff that Amy and Jake do is I like your butt. Which if you're in a relationship, yeah. you're and always saying that too. It's so funny because eventually they do get to have their role play right after Holt ruins it. Uh they, She's Holly, and uh, oh god, Jake is uh, Jake's dressed up as uh, Melville Dewey, the creator of the Dewey Decimal System. Because for whatever reason, this is what Amy wanted. It's wild. I mean, it's absolutely wild. It's wild. It's 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 her. Um, Holt has a lot of great moments here, especially when they're in the bathtub together. Like how. Awkward would that be to be in a romantic bathtub with your boss? And like for Amy, holds like a father figure to him to her. Mm-hmm. It's creepy. It's a little bit creepy. We we have um, some stuff going on the on the nine nine though. What tell me what's happening in the nine nine? Uh, Gina and Charles's mom and dad respectively are getting divorced. And Charles cannot figure out why. He he wants Gina to come investigate it with him, and she won't. And uh she later reveals it's because her mom was cheating on uh, good old Lynn Boyle. Which is just like and... one of the worst things that I think, what, one of the, the worst emotional things I think you hear them say, even though like we may not really care about those two characters, it's like you, you think about what this is going to do psychologically to Charles, and who is like still not over, you know, his mom. Not being around. He has some deep-rooted issues there. Similar to Jake with his father, right? And the fact that Gina actually, like, took the high road and, like, didn't tell him because she didn't want to hurt his feelings is kind of shocking. You wouldn't expect that from Gina, but, of course, we kind of know why she's doing this. It, she's gearing up for her eventual departure. It's, it, it, it's, it's just, like, I love this episode for so many reasons because yeah, you, you you've got the you got the parole uh, Santiago and and Holt line, but you you do have this yeah when when Charles gets so like sad, he gets even creepier than he already is. So he's trying to figure out what could my mom have like what what could my dad have done? Because Boyles are known to just be terrible lovers. Apparently, maybe I don't know. I'm just assuming that's something Charles might say. At some point, right? Mm-hmm. right. But it, it does play a good story, and and they do find a way to like kind of uniquely package this whole Lynetti and Boyle thing up, where like they are ex lovers themselves, their parents are ex lovers now, which is even weirder. Um, it's so just, creepy. To think this kind of just packages it all up. It says, "Hey, you know what? We're not going to come back to this." Yeah. So moving on. 
<laughs> Next episode we're going to talk about is episode two, and that is Hitchcock and Scully. Jake and Charles investigate a case of Hitchcock and Scully's from the 1980s. Meanwhile, Amy's uniformed officers and Terry's detectives fight over limited resources. This is my this is my favorite episode of the whole season. I love this. I, I love, love the Hitchcock and I love Scully plot. The B the B plot's it, great. The A plot's fantastic. This instantly become. I mean, the A plot alone makes this an instant classic. Having the flashback to Hitchcock and Scully when they weren't fat is great. Uh, and it we get the story of how they became like that too at the end, which is just fantastic. They they protect the lady by wearing the sauce and jumping in front of the bullets. Because uh, they go to wing sluts, and it's the slut song. It's just like you instantly feel this is a plot they never would have been allowed to get away with on Fox. Just instantly. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. But they sell it, and it's great. And just what's so glorious is at the end, them eating all of the wings is incredible. Absolutely incredible. It's just the best thing ever. Oh, dude, the music that's playing in the background absolutely makes the scene. So good. So good. <laughs> I, You know, I wrote in the notes for this. Of somebody used to show this episode to Greg Miller just to show the replications of uh, dedicating your life to chicken wings. Right. I think it's, I think it's 100% true. 100% true. 100%. Oh, man. It's a, it's a good episode. I love the B-plot, though, because you also have this uh, feud where, like, Jake or uh, where Amy takes all of her detectives out for steaks and Terry takes all of his out for some other dinner. And I love that Hitchcock and Scully are like, well, Amy's lunch was better. But to Terry goes, but you were at ours, too. He's like, yeah, we had everybody's. We got both foods. We got both lunches. Like it's just a it's just a perfect Hitchcock gets going. Like they're they're not even paying attention to the fact that that Peralta's out solving one of their old cases. Couldn't care less. Oh yeah, no, they're they're being investigated by internal affairs. You see, uh, what is it Hitchcock's van? Oh yeah, it's just it's like disgusting. So good. you know, it's so it's just it's just one of those things, man. Um, Next episode, we're going to talk about episode three, The Toddler. Jake and Gina attend their 20th high school reunion. Back at the 9-9, Charles helps Rosa with her love life. Ooh. Um, Jake and Gina's 20th high school reunion. Oh, my God. It's terrible. This it, is my this favorite is, episode. This is horrifyingly bad. It, it is. This is a Scott's Top Level episode for me. I can't rewatch it. It's so bad, but you like you can't look away. It's like it, it's a train wreck. It just is a complete and utter train wreck. And I have to say, I kind of like it. I kind of like love it. It's um, Gina's going around telling people like, "Hey, yeah, I wrote those Thor movies," or "Yeah, I know it's Marvel." Yeah, it's it's uh, the next Thor movie is going to be called Thor: More 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 Frontal Nudity. Um, like just all these dumb things, but she locks out because she actually talks to a Silicon Valley investor and she comes up with this idea for Tinder for babies. It's so weird. This is such so a bizarre dumb. episode in so many ways. So dumb. And, uh, Jake's after his own personal vendetta and who cares? The, yeah, the Jake plot I could live without. I actually kind of like everything yeah. else. 
It's it's fine. This this was because I don't really care for this one, and I have a different opinion than you do. This was kind of like the first episode that made me go, "Oh no!" Like I hope we don't get too many more like this. And unfortunately, I feel like over the next couple seasons, we got more like this and less like honeymoon and Hitchcock and Scully. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, not that that's bad. Like, I think this would have been fine earlier in the series. I would have been okay with a down episode like this. But when it's a show that already got saved from cancellation, it's like, and you're having smaller seasons than ever before. I'm like, really? This was going to be one of this was going to be one of your thirteen episodes. Really? This one? Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> It's a rough one. I mean, and but you kind of see what they're trying to do. They're trying to give. I absolutely uh, see what they're trying to do. They're trying to give Chelsea Peretti more great moments right before the, the next episode where she's going to announce that she's leaving. Well, and it's it's fitting because she's now had a touching moment with Charles and she's having one with Jake now. And we know that the most important relationship she has in the show, even though it may not always be shown, is with Jake. Yep. Because her and Jacob have been friends, like, I mean, as shown here, they've been friends literally since, like, the third grade. So why why wouldn't it be? It's fitting that Jake's the one who tells her to follow her dreams, even if it means leaving. Like, just do it. Right? Like, she's a mom now. Like, do it. Go. Follow your dream, bro. Follow it. Pretty much. Yeah, and that leads us to episode four. Gina spends time with each member of the squad in an episode called Four Movements. Gina so cleverly announces that she is leaving the 99. And she does so through interpretive dance, as every two week notice should be given. But I think Gina's greatest movement was the lessons we learned along the way. Something like that. What do you think about this going away? Like, if if you're gonna quit, like, I think this is how you. I think this is how you quit, man. It's it's a perfectly weird exit, which is in line with Chelsea Peretti and with this character. But again, like, this is just another one that I find myself not a fan of. Like, a lot of this season, I'm just I'm I'm gonna be really down. Like, I just don't like a lot of it, honestly. I think this season is just all over the place and not in a great way. This is like they were trying to do a lot here. I, I just I wish they would have. I wish they would have let Gina go in a better way than how they did. And then they're going to bring her back too later on this season. And yeah, I think, and I think, I think and bringing her back this season I think ruins the impact. Yeah, of exactly. The couple episodes we had with her had they punted that one to next season, I think it would have been much better received. I would have at least felt better about it. I do I do like she has a moment with everybody, even though she's already had a Jake and Charles moment, right? right. I absolutely love the goodbye she has with Terry, though. At the very end, because, you know, it's after her last day, she keeps showing up. They encourage her to leave. Then they give her a statue. And then uh, she signs Terry up for a yogurt club. It is the most perfectly weird goodbye I could ever imagine for those two characters. It's it's, been, it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. Like just all the good moments she has. And then there's the reconsideration of do I really need to do this? You know, Gina's got a kid. She's got a lot going on in life. Like mm-hmm. this is really what she needs to do. Nope. I I really like I really like the at the end of the episode kind of redeems the beginning of it. But I, I do inevitably end up liking 
um, how she goes out. Next, we're going to talk about is uh, we got to talk about our boy Doug Judy. He's back. I didn't put this one on the list, Josh, and I apologize. As I was going through this list, I'm like, hey, we really need to talk about this one. It's the tale of two bandits. Terry believes the Pontiac Bandit is stealing cars again, but Jake is convinced his friend wouldn't do that because he's such a great guy. The rest of the squad fight to keep Shaw's a police bar for some firemen stake their claim to it. I love this episode because of the whole fireman versus police squad rivalry. We also get a rare appearance of Nine Drink Amy. It's pretty great. And we get Doug Judy. And we find out that his sister. I'm... Okay, so I'll be honest. I think that Trudy is a great character to add to this world, but man, it is just and it, it's not it's not a Brooklyn Nine Nine problem. It's literally whenever I see her in something, if I see Nicole Byer, I flip the channel, and I say that in the nicest way possible. Just something about the over the topness of every performance I've ever seen her give just bothers me so much because it's not an over-the-top like Chelsea Peretti where it's like it serves a purpose it's like over the top and like this was super wholly unnecessary why are you like this and it bothers me so much so I do have a I do have an actor that I feel the same way about you're gonna hate me for this one I know this. I know this is a universally terrible tale. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a couple of guesses. He is best known for his CGI work. Continue. He is in. He's the reason I walked out of Black Panther the first time I saw him. The first Fuck time I you, watched him. Andy Circus. Fuck you. I am not an Andy Circus fan in the slightest. I. That's cannot, fine. I mean, outside of Gollum, I don't really care about him either. I cannot stand him. I think, especially you look at the Last Jedi. I mean, The Last Jedi has a lot of issues, but how he did, I, I just, I couldn't stand. It's that, it's also Claw. I, I hated how he did Claw in Black Panther. I'm not a Planet of the Apes fan. I just can't get into him. I've tried. You're, you're wild. But like, I, you're wild. I, I can understand not liking the actor, but man, to say, oh, mm. I, I, I'm telling you, that's my that's my terrible take. That is the worst. That's thing an that I alt- have. that I feel like if you had just said I don't like his normal acting performances, but I still I still acknowledge and like his mocap work, I would agree with that 100 percent because I don't like him as a regular actor. I think he's like the weakest part of everything he's in when he's not in a mocap suit. But woof, that may be an all time bad take. I think it is. I, just, look, if you I'm just overall that. don't like the man. I just can't do it, man. I don't know what that's like it is. Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon, man. That's that's bad. Yeah, but that's fake. <laughs> is it though? Is it? Oh, it's one hundred percent fake, dude. It's one hundred percent. Dude, Kimmel's talked about it. Kimmel, I know Kimmel's he has. Talk- Although it was great though, because Kimmel was on Hot Ones this past week, season uh, season sixteen debut. He's like, you know what? I am not going to touch the water or the milk as we go through the gauntlet because Matt Damon hit the milk pretty hard. Because oh, I think David David finished season fifteen off, and Kibble started season sixteen off. And Kibble, to his credit, didn't touch the water at all. And I've watched the unedited version too. It's like, god damn, that is impressive. I mean, I guess maybe personal anger, like personal feud of like, God, man, 
like the the, the the best instance though of of Jimmy Kimmel trolling Matt Damon is when the Martian was coming out, and the the movie poster for the Martian was "Bring Him Home." And Kimmel photoshopped himself on the same poster. He's like, "Leave him there." It's just I love it. it. It's 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 a great feud, but I mean, I I largely like it's funny because like so many of my friends and my girlfriend love absolutely love nailed it on netflix i can't stand it i can't watch it just if nicole buyer's on it i'm flipping the channel i'm walking out of the room i'm walking out of the building i'm doing whatever i gotta do to get away from it it's that it, it's like it bothers which, me that much which I, is I a she did, irrational I, reaction yeah. i thought she did okay with this one because like i no, I, no, really, I, I, like, I acknowledge that she did it's just something about just the her comedy bothers me i think i really liked the chemistry she had with terry cruz like and it's 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 not a chemistry of like oh they work so well together it's terry does such a great job of being completely like disgusted by her the entire time mm-hmm. that it works like because she she plays like oh terry's my boo he's my thing he's my he's my dude as i go to do this hookup it just it completely falls apart of course judy and, and doug both get away but I mean, I like this episode. I really like the fact, though, that at the bar, Rob Riggle, fire, firefighter, he's trying to take over Shaw's. Shaw's is a great bar, y'all. It's it's it's, but it's a cop bar. You don't want a firefighter taking over a cop bar. No, I mean, because this one, goes back to an old plot line we had from season one, where uh, police department and fire department hate each other. Hate each other, but no bartender wants to. Sp- spend his entire night doing fireball shots like i drink a lot of fireball and even i don't like fireball as much as firefighters do right they're always just putting out the fire always putting it out you want to you know have some class you want to go with some charbonnier which is the chardonnay that they had uh, at the bar which inevitably gets them the win but this is a good moment because holt finally holt kind of comes back in this episode is how i see it Amy he leads. does when he leads them to victory. Right. When he leads them to victory, like, just remember because Rose has left him a few voicemails. And she even says it. She's like, oh, what am I kidding? You don't care about us. You don't want this. And it just kind of awakens this thing at home where he's like, you know what? I haven't I haven't been there for my squad. I haven't been there for the 9-9 in a few months. I need to be better mm-hmm. there for my squad. He goes and he's going to drink some nasty Chardonnay. He's going to do it. He's going to do what he does best. Yeah, I, I don't know. Not my not my favorite Doug Judy episode. It's probably towards the bottom, honestly. But just most of them are so strong that that's not really a diss on it. I the fake yeah. eulogy at the beginning gets me. I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. Pretty day great. We're gonna skip over to episode twelve. That's the next one. It's called Case Cation. Work is so busy for Jake and Amy that they end up celebrating their anniversary while standing guard over a comatose patient in the hospital. And oh yeah, patient's got a bomb strapped to him. Jake almost dies. It's a very Again. out of like I don't know out of whack episode. It does, it's not something I would expect to see as a storyline from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, frankly. A bomb strapped to a patient and Jake almost dying. That's not how I imagine uh, good old Detective Peralta going out. Especially this being the episode that Jake and Amy, more importantly, discover that, yeah, they're, they're ready to start having kids. Right. 
I mean, that's the thing. Like, you knew that was logically where they were going next with this. Um, I just yeah, don't think I any mean, of us expected it to be this season. Right, because, like, too, how many times has Jake almost died, right? So remember the Christmas episode where he gets trapped and he has to relive Die Hard? Um, there's the whole, he was in prison and mashed potato Amy. And there was the whole first under, undercover where he tells Amy that he likes her before he goes undercover. Coral palms. There's all these we things where it's like, he literally had a gun to his head and coral palms, and Amy had to shoot him. There, there's all these moments where it's like these two can't live without each other, and now they're kind of like Jake's starting to realize that hey, you know how like Terry took himself out of being super active duty, where he's more of an office, he's he's more of an office sergeant, and I think mm-hmm. Jake's kind of starting to see that like man, you know, I can't lose Amy, so. At some point, I'm gonna have to slow down. Well, what 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 what's an easy way to get you to slow down, and bring a ton of joy into the world? Have a kid, and be the dad that you never had. Be a better dad than anything you ever had, and make a baby with the love of your life. Mm-hmm. Beautiful moment, man. I yeah, I I like this episode a lot. I think it's really the first time that we've moved the Jake and Amy plotline forward since the honeymoon. And it was fine to go and focus on other characters, but I mean, those two are really, we talk about all the time how Jake and Holt are really at the center, but in the last couple of seasons, I I would say from the proposal onward, Amy really becomes that third core in the middle. She's always kind of been there. I would have argued that her her and Jake are probably the leads of the show, but so much of this hinges on Andre Bronner and on Holt's character as a whole. Not even just his comedic timing, but like his character moving everybody else forward. Um, that this is, it's refreshing to have something that centers on the two of them again. And, and it's its kind of where the show needs to be back. And it's where they need to stay for a little while, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Pretty great. Uh, let's go to episode 15. It's the return of the king. Gina returns to the night. Jake and Terry get dry their life. Holt. Where is the Charles' son, Nicolaj, Nicolaj, maybe a genius? Rosa copes with an injury. What's Gina been up to since she left the 99? Gina. Gina has started a YouTube channel. Um, and she has one million subscribers, which... And it feels like, kind of weird um, because she had an app at one point. Didn't she? The Gina Hive? The Gina Hive, yep. That keeps the precinct from being shut down at one point. Yep. This is just, I don't know. Like, this is is why you left? Really? I... mm. And she's basically, like, a cult leader? Like, is that fair to say? Uh, It's more than fair to say. Like, it's very strange that this is Gina's... I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but this is her only other appearance up to the beginning of season eight. That this is the one time that we see her. We don't see her at all in seven that I recall. I haven't done my rewatch of seven yet, but this is very. Uh, She's not. She's not. This is very. She's mentioned a few times, but that's it. I, I mean, yeah, but this is just even for Gina standards. This is just a really weird and off putting episode. I think. I just genu. I genuinely. Don't like it. Uh, Jake is really upset that Gina basically hasn't talked to him since 
she left the nine nine and th- this is jake's oldest friend i mean you have to understand like we we've talked about the themes of dealing with rejection with dealing with loss dealing with those who are important walking out of our lives all throughout the course of this show and for that to happen to jake when you know his father has done that to him and you know he had he had a sister he didn't know about and now you have this it like it makes sense that he reacts as irrationally as he does and it, it he gets stabbed <laughs> Um, yeah, he gets stabbed and it's or she gets stabbed excuse me she gets stabbed not not jake not yeah. jake god i'm half asleep gina gets stabbed and <laughs> that's how they that's how they kind of make up it's i yeah not not a huge fan of the a plot here i'm just not a huge fan of the episode in general like yeah i i think uh i think the plot line with nicolaj is kind of insulting in a lot of ways it's and I, I okay, so I honestly thought they were going to go the right the the way of autism, the way that I, did, I thought they were too. I thought they were going to go down the autism, which okay, cool. Michael Schur's done a great thing of he wants to talk about big issues, he wants to have all these big things. Mm-hmm. But sorry, my Google just went off. Hey Google, shut up. Um, sorry. But it, it, it's it's interesting that it's like that's what. I thought they were going to do, and then he just takes a completely insulting direction and doesn't do anything with it. Like, like the, the, you take this plot out of the show, there it has nothing to do with it. Has no, it has no value to the actual. So. No, no, no value to it. And uh, I don't like uh, Rosa and Amy's plot either. I think it's really dumb. Also, let's move on. Let's go to Cinco de Mayo. In order to distract Terry from the stress of his upcoming lieutenant's exam. Jake, Holt, and the squad decide to hold the annual Halloween heist on a new date. Welcome to the Cinco de Mayo heist. I I like this heist a lot. See, because I, I, lo- I love the ending of it is why. This is the one that Terry wins, right? Yes. Yes. Very big fan. I'm not a big fan of the like the heist in general. Although Bill is back, and I'll always take that. Bill is basically <laughs> as much of a tradition during the heist as the heist itself at this point. Um, yeah. So I do, I do really like that. But I like Terry. What Terry says to the to the squad at the end is great. You know, he he calls them out for being selfish. He says you know they never really cared about his exam. And uh, a billboard hits him in the head when uh, Jake is uh, giving a victory speech, or was supposed to be giving a victory speech. And uh, Terry regains his consciousness and says he planned everything. He faked an explosion on Halloween, sold a billboard to Jake, and over six months uh, changed everybody's behavior, as well as training Cheddar. It's so great. And we find out he's passed the lieutenant's exam. Uh, it's great. Scully's twin is introduced. Bro, this is the that's the best part of the heist. It's wild. This whole episode is just it's wild. The heist part is bad. I don't care about the heist part. Everything that gets revealed at the end is great. I I freaking love it because like okay so. There's the moment when Scully's fighting his twin on the floor. He's like, do we stop him? Like, like what do we do here? Like, there's so right. much sweat. 
There's so much sweat. It's, it's just... Scully reve- finally reveals who who uh, slept with his wife, and it's uh, his brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's just freaking great, dude. Oh, I love so I love great. It. So great. How do you it, not man. like? That's great. It's this dude. is this is fun. The, the heist episode. So much like we have the tradition of the, J- the Doug Judy episode every year. The heist episode is probably the one I look most forward to in every season. Uh, those are two like guarantees that I you have a banger of an opening. You're going to have a pretty great finale and you're going to have two awesome episodes guaranteed during the season in terms of the heist. And in terms of um, Doug Judy, it's funny though because he, Judy typically comes in the back half of the season, and the heist is—it's the Halloween heist. They flip it on us here, right? When he and Doug I, Judy I episode like four, yeah. I mean, it, it left us wondering. Like, I remember watching this live and being like, "Are we even going to get a heist this year?" Like, they—they they skipped it. I can't believe they actually didn't do the heist, and then they did this. And I was like, "Okay, that would—that was good. You had—you had me in the first half. Not going to lie." You, yeah, you, sneak, you sneaky people. I see what you did there. It's a good heist. It's a good episode. It, it's it's a good reminder of, like, okay, the ups and downs of this show, this is an up. This is a good up to just take home with you and enjoy it. It, it is. And, uh, and we we read his comments a lot on here, but I really do think uh, Alan Seppenwall just continually, he breaks down TV in such a good way, especially when it comes to comedy. And he says, uh, everyone goes to such ridiculous lengths to win this year. I worry, And I worried there might be nowhere left to take the heist in season seven. But I've had that fear before, and the heist episodes just keep working. Even the show seems aware of the pressure to keep topping the last one. Rosa says five heists was enough. Literally nothing new happened, but something new did happen, and it was delightful. So now I look forward to what comes next instead of worrying. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Ah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived at the final episode of a season that we're going to talk about. It's the Suicide Squad. So, I mean, at this point, NBC's not even trying to worry about copyright. Uh, desperate circumstances call for desperate measures as Jay, Colt, Amy, Terry, Rosa, and Charles must ally themselves with old enemies. Josh, hit us with this tasty plot. So, you, you have that group, but they've brought in Wunch... CJ and the Vulture to help them uh, defeat the commissioner. There, there's been a plot line running in the background of the entire season, a war between Holt and uh, Commissioner Kelly. And they they stage a fake crime. Uh, they fake kidnapping CJ because his, he has still has such an absurdly high rank that the police will be interested in it. Uh, the vulture <laughs> is going to investigate the case, and Wunch has to plant the bug. Uh, CJ resists, be, resists being kidnapping, which exposes Jake. Uh, the vulture seemingly betrays them, and Wunch doesn't do it either. And then we find out that all of this was planned. All of this was planned. And Wunch actually follows through. Kelly gets fired. Wunch is promoted to the commissioner. Uh... And Terry was supposed to be transferred out of here, but once fudges the numbers to allow him to stay there in exchange for Holt having to go back to patrol man. Yep. Yep. Once yep. time is not in fact over. 
<laughs> this is great. I, I love this episode so much. I don't like watching it on its own, but as the ending to a season, it's it's again another very strong ending to a Brooklyn Nine Nine season. A season that I think has a lot of ups and downs. But man, this is as strong of an ending as we've ever had. Seven seasons in, they're still figuring out how to nail and tie up the plot lines of the season while initiating new ones. We talked about that before, how it seems to be a constant in sure shows, how our season finales will end one plot line and start another one, such as Ben and Leslie finally getting together, but she's approached to, and like the Harvest Festival and Little Sebastian and all that, but she's approached to run for office. The time skip in Parks and Rec. Uh, Pam and Jim finding out they're pregnant. Uh, Jim kissing Pam. Michael Scott leaving. Um, you know, all, all these all these things. The introduction of Robert California. And then you have Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I think really shows the mastery of plotting out these shows. Where they surely knew they were being renewed at this point. Because they wouldn't yeah. have done this otherwise. And it's so beautifully done that you're like, I think I'm a lot like Alan was with the Halloween, with the Cinco de Mayo heist, not Halloween heist, Cinco de Mayo heist, where I'm like, what can they possibly do? Jake's been sent undercover. He's been given the witness protection. He's been arrested and locked up. Uh, Him and Amy have gotten married already. Like, what else is there possibly to do? And we have to look beyond the Jake and Amy of it all. It's Holt and Wunsch once again. Their feud affects it. Just like when he got transferred to public relations, he is now a patrolman. Wunsch does, in fact, get the last laugh. It's great. It's it's a great way to it's a great way to end the season. Is it, it, it's it's a great way to end the season. It's a great way to just cap off what's been just kind of a mediocre. It's like okay, the fans wanted you back. They, we got you back. We had some good moments. We we, we had. We made some memories along the way. Now get our heart rate going. We need that next season. You're getting renewed. Show us why you deserve to be renewed. And and I think they do it. I think they do a pretty pretty good job of that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is season five of Brooklyn or season six. Pardon me of Brooklyn Nine Nine. You know what time it is, Josh? It's time for Gina Linetti's words of wisdom. I believe. Hit the intro. Hi. Gina Linetti, the human form of the 100 emoji. Jake, why don't you just do the right thing and jump out a window? Captain Holt will never fire me if he knows I'm mourning the death of a close friend. And I'm not a stone-cold bitch. I'm a natural, beautiful presence. Not to brag, but I was name-checked in my kindergarten teacher's suicide note. It's time for some wise words from Gina Linetti. Today, I want to apologize. Last week, we made some comments about Nintendo that, as factual as they are, could we be stand by them. as... We stand by them 100%. So that leads me to this beautiful quote by Gina Linetti. Every time you talk, I hear that sound that plays when Pac-Man dies. Yeah. See, Gina, I, I would amend these words. Every time you talk, I hear the sound that Mario makes when he dies. Ba-bum-ba-ba-da-da-dum. No! Oh, every, no, and, no every, every, every time you talk, I hear that sound of when Chris Pratt tried to do an Italian accent in a Mario animated movie. God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't I want to I want to I don't want to be told that I'm bullying Nintendo fans. So <laughs> we're going to end it right there. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been Q-List Brooklyn 99 edition. Uh, Josh is, of course, odd 
that beautiful show called Tower Castles, which you can catch Thursday nights live or you catch it Friday mornings wherever you get your podcast. He was also a guest on Trash Talk uh, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. His predictions were pretty solid. My predictions were really solid outside of me thinking that the Seahawks would beat the Vikings nine times in a row. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Good stuff happening. Uh, Be sure, by the way, to follow us on uh, Twitter, BossRushENT, and follow us on TikTok like so many of you already do. We appreciate you. We love you over on TikTok. Uh, Check it out. For Josh, I'm Logan. Been a pleasure to serve you to the 9-9. Peace out.